2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pit Stop Fracker. I hope you guys are all keeping well. I'm your host today, Anik, and I'm joined by Chris, Kwame, Ants, and Mahad. We've got a lot to get through today, um, and we'll be touching on the early season form of Ferrari and McLaren, as well as a deep dive into the career thus far of Sebastian Vettel, as well as touching on some recent podiums in Formula One. Um, so, yeah, let me get into it with with our panellists. Um, we've we got a new debutant on the pod this week, and, and we've been strictly told by Touchline Media Group the transfer window is now slammed shut. We've got no more entrants that are joining us on Pit Stop Fracker. So I'm going to come to you first, Ants. How are you doing? Um, tell us a bit about yourself, why you're into Formula One. Don't tell us who you support in football, but um, tell us who, you, who your favourite driver or car is.
0: Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, thank you. Um, I guess, better late than never to make your debut. Um, I'd say, yeah, along with probably most people on here, favourite driver, Hamilton. Favourite team, uh, McLaren, I would say. But then also, I guess, Mercedes to a lesser extent. And yeah, I've been to, into F1 for probably like 13, 14 years now. So um, yeah, it'll be good to get into this pod.
2: Nice, nice, nice. Lovely to have you on. Um, Mahad, how you keeping? How's, how's, how's Easter weekend treating you?
3: Nice, nice sunshine, you know. Just living life. Don't know why this break for the F one's going on. This is ridiculous. You can't just have a race like Bahrain and then say, Oh, we'll give you a race next month. Yeah, yeah this is not it's not it's not a good look. Give us it every two great. weeks or don't give it... Yeah, but I, I yeah. you know what? I shouldn't be too greedy because um back end of the season we've got a lot of triple headers. So I look forward to that anyway.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Can't can't wait for it. And to be fair, that was such an infernium race, and we still got some topics to to touch on from that Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, Kwame, how are you keeping? How's 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 Easter weekend been treating yeah, I'm
4: good, you? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, it's been a good uh weekend. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of shame you know F1's on speak right now. I mean, back to my other sport, you know, football, which is my main other sport. And I'm not gonna talk about that. It's an F1 pod. It's yeah, F1. So uh, yeah, we. Well, yeah, yeah, I just can't wait for the next race
2: you know to come up. Yeah, no, no, no worries, man. We'll, um, yeah, and 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 I want to come to you especially on on especially the the former Ferrari this year. So so, so we'll be coming on onto on that. Uh, last but not least, Chris, how are you keeping? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We had some technical difficulties at the start of the pod with your internet connection so now we switch to your phone so hopefully fingers crossed we can have you right the way to the very end um all good on your side that's good that's good that's what we like to hear yeah that's good Uh, we can already see a bit of lag hopefully hopefully we can keep you now till till the end of the pod mate (laughs) um anyway guys let's get straight into it um that was such, such an exciting Bahrain race. And we couldn't obviously cram it into the hour that we had in terms of reviewing that. So there was a couple of items that, that, that we discussed in the group chat and and what we want to touch on in this pod. Um, one of them was the, you know, the, the the form of McLaren. Now, they've done, you know, really well um, in pre-season testing. They showed signs of it in, in the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, let me come to you, Mahad, on this. Um, how are you finding McLaren this year? I know it's only one race. I know we've only had a bit of preseason testing, but um, what's your early thoughts on them?
3: Um, shameless McLaren fan here again. You know, uh, anytime that comes up, I'm going to speak about them. <laughs> um, pre-season, fantastic. Um, the car and the new Mercedes engine inside it looks like a perfect fit. Um, this little diffuser innovation they've done. On the back of their car as well um where they've kind of elongated it to a kind of a zigzag shape they've kind of got oh, bent bent the rules a little bit in, in terms of the diffuser um but um i feel like that innovation's really helped the car that's pushed them towards the top of the grid when we're talking about um the the midfield battle i think they're beyond that now i think they're they're gonna cement themselves into third place uh, especially with the former Aston Martin um, in the race as well, um, Lando Norris, such an assured performance from him in Bahrain. Um, it seems like he's getting better and better over the years. We forget how young he is; he's, he's a very young man, um, and he's in a—he's quite a big seat for a young person as well. And I felt like his performance was on point when it came to Bahrain, um, P4. Um, Ricardo as well. Ricardo did quite well, considering uh, he had damage to his car. He still nursed at home in, to a points finish. Uh, and as over time, when he as he gets used to the car, because um, it's a different setup to Renault, uh, we can assume that he's going to have better performances in that McLaren, and they're going to be challenging him and him and Lando um, for points finishes and podiums. So um, it's looking all positive in the McLaren camp. Um, considering that yeah. they haven't got tokens to uh, improve the car of the season they really need to get a good start and get points on the board. So yeah, it's been really good.
2: Yeah. It's funny you, you touched on that, that tokens um, point there, because that's definitely something I think that will prove key um, as the season goes on. They need to sort of get that head start. Um, and it'll be interesting definitely to see how it pans out. Um, Another question on on McLaren. So Lando Norris this week came out and said, um, what did he say? I had the, yeah, he suggested that they can beat Ferrari in the race trim, but in qualifying, they're struggling a bit. Do you think based on that, they can do a lot in terms of improving that qualifying performance, even though they've not got the tokens left? I, I, I Would don't you know reckon how they it's just the that. case? Yeah,
3: I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, maybe they've got a problem with one lap pace, but they're good over over a long race in terms of speed and uh, maintaining that. But um, they're usually quite good at qualifying, which is a bit. I don't know how it's gone a bit backwards for them, but um, we'll have to see how it just pans out later on down the line. But I don't think they can make any drastic innovations to improve their qualities. But uh, in terms of racing, we've got two guys that I'd love to overtake. So even if they don't qualify well, they'll get themselves back up on the grid anyway.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and as long as there's some on-track action, you know, we're at we're Pit Stop, we're, we're, we're always here for that. Um, so I suppose touching on another team that done really well in qualifying in Bahrain, they, I think they actually qualified third quickest, Ferrari. And I think Leclerc qualified fourth in Bahrain. So they They showed real signs of improvement this year. Um, and I know again it's only early stages, but Kwame, um have you seen anything from them? why where have they got this pace from? like they were they were nowhere last year when when it came to straight line speed. Um, what, what 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 do you reckons happened this year for them?
4: I mean, if the rumors are true, then I think it could potentially be in the engine. I mean there was rumors going uh, around um testing around when the cars will launch this year. That um, the Ferrari engine last year was um, illegal. No, not illegal, sorry. The Ferrari engine last year were, um, the one in 2019 were illegal, so they had a punishment in 2020. So their engines weren't as powerful. So this year they'd be more powerful. And they obviously put more emphasis and time into the engine. And I'm uh, pretty sure one of the tokens they spent was um, was on their gearbox. So that would have led to their engine and their car being much more faster this year. And um, I also think like, the drive lamp as well could be a, a factor as well. Uh, which we'll talk about there about Seb. I mean, I I am look I'm not getting to onto Seb here. But um I think um with um science he'd been very close to Leclerc. Um and science just joined it, and I think science I mean his personal life is, is a bit questionable, you know. Um but as a driver he's definitely underweight and you can't you can't deny that. Um especially when he was you know, racing against FBO Shivers so and old and the uh, old fire driver in Vettel in Bahrain. Um Leclerc getting a comfortable uh P uh six, I'm pretty sure. Um yeah, P six just under Perez and uh North, which is not too bad, especially as I believe I believe McLaren are the, are the third best team at the moment. I think Ferrari are fourth and we know how good everybody is and how Perez came from the back of the field up to fifth and then obviously he has Science again who's eighth, just behind Ricardo in the second McLaren. So I think the battle for first can be interesting between the um McLaren and Ferrari but I definitely think Ferrari's uh one lap pace is uh, very very good it's just how they do get strategy. we know Far that's a form of the background of time so hopefully they just keep up
2: yeah I th- I think it'll be interesting to see there and you, you touched on it with Science and Leclerc there that's definitely uh, a battle between the team that that'll be interesting to see how it sort of pans out ac- across the year um so Benotto came out this week um and he said that he's happy by the progress although he said they're not going to be going for podiums. So I don't know, is he bluffing? Is he just playing games? Um, where do you see them progressing as the season goes on, Ants?
0: Yeah, I think I think that's quite realistic of Bonotto to say that, because if you look at like Red Bull, probably the strongest team at the moment on one lap pace, and Mercedes are yep. going to be there and thereabouts um, on race pace with level with Red Bull. So that's already kind of Four, four positions kind of locked out assuming that they have no problems during the race so I think for Ferrari their best bet is to try and capitalize upon those races where it goes a little bit awry for the front runners and try and get into that podium position a bit like we saw in Turkey last year when Leclerc and Vettel were kind of dicing out for the podium on the last lap and I think Vettel ended up getting on the podium so um yeah I think their position at the moment is is pretty much about where they finished in Bahrain so kind of like the top of the midfield type of area comfortably top ten, I would say. I would hope um, if they can keep it up for the rest of the season.
2: Yep, and and the same for you then. Uh, just to wrap this up, um, Chris, do you do you reckon come come the end of the year they'll they'll be challenging for podiums, Ferrari?
1: Um, not this year. I don't think this year they'll be challenging for podiums unless you know Red Bull or Mercedes have a complete mess up. But I think. They'll be there and there's about so like, you know, they're much improved from last year. They've fixed a lot of the problems from last year's car. So I feel like this year they'll be with the McLaren's Alpha Tower's for fight back for third place.
2: Yep, brilliant. Yeah. Look, um look, let's let's see how it pans out. It's over, still early days, so there's a lot of work to do. There's still improvements that's gonna be made to other cars. Drivers are going to get more used to, to the machines that they're driving. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, um, again, how that pans out across the year. Um, so moving on to a driver then who recently raced for Ferrari, um, Sebastian Vettel, uh, four-time world champion, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. Um, and there was a lot of talk in our group chat um, as well as the back end of last year and, you know, just just across Twitter really, um, about his his time at Red Bull. Um, you know, he hasn't reached those heights since being at Ferrari. Uh, what we've seen of him at, at Racing Point thus far is really not looking like he will be reaching those heights. Um, obviously it, it remains to be seen whether that will be the case. Um but we always love a bit of nostalgia, which is why we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into, into Vettel's career to date. Um, and I suppose it's worth starting off with his time at Red Bull. You know, that was where he really made himself where he was. I, I know I know, he had, uh, I, th- I think it was a year at Toro Rosso, and then in 2009 he moved to Red Bull. And that was really where he cemented his place, sort of as a household name, you know, win- winning four world titles. So... Mahad, the old head, the older head. Um, Let me come to you. Um, How would you assess um, Vettel's time at Red Bull?
3: Um, I'd say it was a a success, obviously, four-time world champion. Um, But I don't know uh, how much we can attribute it to Vettel or just the success of Red Bull overall and that vehicle that they had. Um that's, that's where the question marks lie. Obviously, if you win four titles, that's, you've won four titles. That's not something that you could take away from him or anything like that. But we sometimes, it, even it happens with the same with Lewis, they try to attribute the success to the car rather than the individual themselves. Um, with that car, we have to understand how dominant that car was in that era. There was no car that was even coming close to it. In terms of um, pace in that era, they actually they actually dominated. Um, in terms of Vettel, the highlight seasons for me were probably 2011, 2013. Nobody was trying to, in them years, nobody. It wasn't really; it was a non-contest, um, even his own teammate. So I feel like that what that was the outliers. In in terms of the other seasons where Alonso's really pushed him. And I think, how many points did he win by? He won by barely any points. It were really, really tight, tight gaps between him and Alonso. I think it was... 2012, uh, I think. Uh, I yeah, three, three points, four points. Um, these, these are really tight margins. Even now, if you consider, if, you, if Hamilton won the title by for like four points like last year, people would be like, that's a proper, proper, proper tight. And for you to be in a car that's that dominant and to win barely, that, the Ferrari, I don't think was good. Alonso, Alonso was outperforming that car. To, mm. to that. F- Ferrari was like putting him in situations where it was making it really, really tough for him to win. And Vettel eked it out a little bit. Um, so there are there are question marks. I feel like F one community in the whole don't want to talk about these things. They don't want to be critical of anything of any, about any type of any driver at all. You're not allowed to be critical. Um, But I feel like there are question marks around it, especially what's happened after he's left Red Bull and the change of regulations. Even when even when the change of regulations happened and he was still at Red Bull, Danny Ricardo came into that situation and absolutely dominated Vettel. So we're talking about... My, what I want to highlight is how the regulations favoured not only Red Bull, but favoured Vettel's driving style. And he wasn't able to adapt to a new era. Um, But I'll I'll let somebody else go, but I've got further points on that.
2: Yeah. Let me, let let, let me come to you on this, Chris. Why why was that car? Why was Red Bull so good? Like there's, look, there's no doubt in it. We saw it in 2011. We saw in 2013, he was winning the championship at Canter. you know, Vettel and that car worked hand in hand and I don't want to take anything away from that. They won it fair and square but they utterly dominated the championship. Why was that car, and why was Vettel so good?
1: Well, reading up about it, because, you know, I did some research they found that yeah. the car suited Vettel's driving style. So, he likes a car that turns in really well and has a stable rear end. So, mm-hmm. in, those, in that era and that time, the car was really stable towards the rear, and it was easy for him to drive to the way he wants to drive. Even though, like, I say this, in some of those years, he didn't have the best car. He just had the car that was able to win him the championship. So, like, in 2012, McLaren were the fastest, but that car just broke down at every possible moment. So he was just, like, the de facto guy who kicked off points when it's possible. But, you know, through that four-year run, like, especially in 2013, where the car was really to his favour, we saw what happened. He dominated in one case because it was stable. Then with the new rule change in 2014, you see that the car was a bit more slippy towards the end and there's was more of a fight. He struggled. It's the same thing with Ferrari. So in 2017 and 18, the car was stable and he put up championship fights. He didn't win, but he looked so much better. Then in 2019 where the car was a bit more of a handful, he struggled and looked, looked full. So that's kind of thing like he needs cars that are very stable to be able to go fast.
2: Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. I I think I feel as though he had a stable car under him. Um even though like in 2012 McLaren you know may have had the fastest car. But I think right up until 2013, I think Red Bull in general just had the bit between their teeth when it came to that I think it was a V10 engine. Was it V10 Kwame, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a V10 engine. Um and They just had the bit between their teeth. And then in in, in 2014, when it changed to the turbo hybrid era, he was struggling. You know, um, his teammate changed. um, Weber was no longer his teammate. Daniel Daniel Ricciardo came in. And across that season, Daniel Ricciardo got three victories and Vettel didn't get any in 2014. We saw him really, really struggling. I remember there was um, a couple of battles that he was having midfield with Alonso. Who who was actually driving in the Ferrari and I was like, oh, this is not the Vettel we knew, and we were just seeing Hamilton and Rosberg dicing it out at the front. Um Kwame, let me come to you on this. What what changed in 2014 from a technical, mechanical, car point of view? What 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 changed and why did that not suit the Red Bull?
4: Yeah, so um yeah, just I I just correct you, and uh, because well uh, it was V8, yeah. not a V10. It was V8, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was is. V8. So, same difference. <laughs> But um, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's the main difference, uh, the engines really and truly, because um, with Red Bull, they were under um, Renault. And Renault's uh, engines weren't really the most powerful and they were quite unreliable, as I think people remember from back then. there's a lot of beef between um, Red Bull and Chris Horner, uh, Christian Horner and the Renault camp as well, which is one of the reasons why they, they left. In the, no, they even left. They changed the name of the engines to Takua and then they left to Honda um and they've become dominant but i feel like back then in that era in that 2010-2014 era the cars were very more aerodynamically kind of um based and that's where you have guys like um AJ newey who just been a boss of that we're doing at mclaren with um meek at times i 99 down before williams um during the 90s era them guys were pushing it with like Villeneuve, um damon hill them guys there so i feel like the um the regulations just changed it for Red Bull because it no longer was a, a era on based on aerodynamics and like the different stuff like F docs or the double DRS system or all them things there. It was instead just how powerful your car is, and that's how you had teams like Reams out of nowhere coming from the back end to like in 2014. You had people like Bottas and like Massa. Mm-hmm. Both Massa. drivers who you know in the GC we debate about a lot, who we say. Our dad out here were getting podiums because that car was that powerful and um, the Red Bull didn't have that. And especially like Chris and Mahat said as well, especially when they changed the car as well, when it, to compensate for that, it was a bit more draggy, it was a bit more back-endy, a bit more flicky at the back-end. It just didn't work out a bit after that, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good thing you touched on that. Yeah, I remember that. that. That Williams was, was quick in 2014. I remember them giving the the, uh, the Mercedes a tough time in, in Austria. Um, yeah, and I was really wanting Hamilton to win that race. Um, but yeah, definitely the 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 Williams were were very good that year. Um, so just finishing up on his time at Red Bull, uh, and so I'm going to come to you on this, Daniel Ricciardo. So you switched teammates from Mark Webber to Daniel Ricciardo, and Daniel Ricciardo actually finished 71 points ahead of Vettel in 2014. Um, do you think that was down to Vettel not performing against his teammate? Do you reckon that was just Daniel Ricciardo being that much better than Vettel? Or do you reckon that was just uh, Daniel Ricciardo being that much better than Weber? Um, what What was your take on that sort of inter-team rivalry that they had?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's a difficult one. Um, I'd say probably that was probably the best time for Ricciardo to come into the team when the regulations changed and he had like... I wouldn't say an advantage, but he was coming in a more of a, a level playing field with Vettel in 2014, um, whereas Weber for the previous four years had kind of been in the same position, same regulations, just kind of getting beaten by Vettel year in year out. So it, it is scary from Vettel's point of view that Ricardo just came in and had him on tilt for the whole season. Like it's just something that you you, you can't really take away from Ricardo. He's a great he's a great driver. He's quick, um, and yeah, Vettel really struggled that year, but. I, <sighs> Does it tarnish his legacy a little bit, but at the same time, four out of four um, wide world titles before that, it's like you can't you can't really argue with it. And um, it's just I think probably in that year, he probably felt a little bit that the team went away from him slightly. Because um, in the previous four years with Weber, was pretty much the de facto number two driver. And he had Helmut Marco completely, who pretty much has the power in that Red Bull team, was pretty much behind Vettel in those times. And you can kind of see echoes of it now with Max Verstappen, but um, yeah. So I think probably the decision to leave <laughs> was uh, triggered a little bit by what by uh, how comfortably Ricardo beat him that year.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did quite comfortably beat him, uh, which which you know many m- many considered um, quite embarrassing at the time. I, I remember that time and i was like oh my god vettel like come on i'm, I'm expecting better few you but to be honest in 2014 i was just more concerned about hamilton winning the title over rosberg um i suppose ferrari really did want to get that world title though so they secured vettel services at the start of 2015 now instead of sort of going chronologically through it um just want to pick out your, your your key highlights from vettel and his time at ferrari so um let me come to you first on this chris what have you made from Vettel and his time at Ferrari, and especially the mistakes that he's made? T- talking about Singapore, you know, uh, in 2017 when he crashed out on the first lap with Verstappen and Raikkonen, when he crashed out in Germany 2018, uh, some of the collisions he's had with Leclerc. Um, it'll be good to get your thoughts on that. Chris, are you there?
1: Um, so, with Ferrari, yeah, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. With Ferrari, his like mistakes, well, the first one was 100% in Germany um, 2018 because he had the race under his control and just binned it himself and that, like, he was first in the championship at the time and that completely and utterly like, ruined all momentum he had and that's when, you know, Hamilton and Mercedes made their strong charge towards the championship. So, that for me was like the worst mistake and I think I think that was the kind of the moment where I think Ferrari you were ready to um wash their hands of him as well. They were like, we've given you the car, now you're making mistakes. Like you're not you're not Michael. You're not you're not that guy who's gonna deliver for us. So I think yeah, that was the death. pivotal moment. I think that's the biggest mistake.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I remember that so well, that, that Germany 2018 race. I think Hamilton came back and, and you know, he, he performed heroically. Obviously, Vettel dumped it in the wall. Um, obviously, it was it was tricky conditions. Um, Mahad, let, let, let me come to you on this. What, what, what do you make of those driving mistakes from Vettel when, you know, those DNFs? Is, is that the hallmarks of a champion?
3: Listen, yeah. Chris said it just now, yeah? He's not Michael. He was lauded like he was Michael when he was at Red Bull. Oh look, German guy, four titles. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be reaching Michael levels and stuff like that. His mentality ain't there, man. If the team ain't behind him fully, one hundred percent. If if it ain't optimal conditions, where the car is set up exactly how he wants it and stuff like that, he he just he's just not there. But Hamilton was playing absolute mind games with you. From 17, 18 he, he he was in his head completely. He was lucky that he had a teammate and Raikkonen because Raikkonen don't really care about F one. He was just there it, so he's, <laughs> so he, so it's not really like he's got a teammate that's like really on on him, sticking on him like that, yeah. But time and time again, Germany Vettel crashed for no t- Germany two thousand eighteen. Vettel crashed under no duress, yeah. Vettel got killed. He just got I don't know what happened to him, but it's all in his head. And um, t- just having that Mercedes behind him. Lewis pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, just gets to it. Especially with um, a, a season that's not really remembered um, was 2017. 2017, he had he had the, he had the lead up until just before Singapore for that crash. Mm-hmm. Um, his head was gone. Lewis knew that his head was gone, and he was actually playing without. Actually, his head went when it was Baku when he crashed into the back of him at Baku. That's when his head was gone because because Vettel thinks like nothing, that that wasn't his fault. Vettel's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He, he break-checked me. What, what do you mean break check? This is Formula One. It's a goal yeah. card. Yeah. I don't understand. So for me, it's it's a mentality thing. The second, even at Ferrari, Ferrari's not the most conducive environment for somebody's good mental health. They're, they're very much a chaos factor team. And they'll throw you in the deep end. And they'll throw you under the bus because it's Ferrari first. So when somebody like Leclerc comes in, they're like, oh shit, this guy's really, really good. Let's throw Vettel out of here because he ain't, he ain't built like that. Um, Leclerc outscored him first season at Ferrari. That this is not this is not good looks. Um I think as well with with the Ferrari situation, when Bonotto became team principal, Bonotto is very much a person that's involved in the car. He, like he wants to, he doesn't, he, Vettel wants to have the optimal conditions for the car. And I know not was probably saying, no, but was saying, no, we're not doing that for you. We're not going to do that for you. are not going to do that for you to make sure you're stable and so on and make sure um, the car, the car feels like a Red Bull from 2011. That's not really going to, going to be the case. not is going to have total control of that vehicle. And one thing that's underrated, uh, underrated, um, you know thing for formula 1 drivers is to be adaptable to to change with the times and to change with uh, what the mechanics and the engineers want you to be doing with the car he shows no versatility or adaptability um with these vehicles since he's left red bull even when the regulations changed um the way the way he he's driving style is very much especially when it was at red bull was oh, I'm going to brake a bit early I'm just going to coast to the corner and then I'm just going to target the car and then just stick the throttle on and go, go around the corner that way and get fast exits. When it was the hybrid era, you cannot do that. And he just couldn't comprehend it. He just kept on doing it. And that's why you always hear about, oh, they all spin out on that corner. I feel like he, had, he, he does change it a little bit. And then when the pressure comes on, he goes back to his old driving style, and then realizes, oh, I'm in a hybrid car. I can't do that. And then he spins out or he does dumb mistakes and so on. And there's a little bit of um, petulance to his driving style as well. We even saw it in the other day in Bahrain when he just mm-hmm. went into the back of Ocon. And then he pretends like, oh yeah, I, I have every right. Or he, he, he came into my driving lane or whatever. The guy, he's yeah. just chatting shit. But um, I don't think his time Ferrari was successful at all. That, that's, yeah. that's my that's my opinion on it.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. Look, I, 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 have to say, I definitely agree with you there. Look, he was brought in to win and deliver a world championship. He didn't do that. He didn't even deliver constructors for them. And in even a couple of those seasons, they had the best car. There's no doubt about it. In 2018, they had the best package, without a doubt. And it was down to himself and the team and even his co-driver, Raikkonen as well, that they didn't deliver. Because I remember that season quite well, and they were very, very strong. They they had the best package. And even Martin Brundle said it as well, I think, um, just before the French Grand Prix. He goes, this team has got the best package and I can see them winning it. Now, Ants, I'm going to come to you on this. Um, So there was a trend forming when he was at Ferrari, you know, early 2017, early 2018, even early 2019. He seemed to always get a good start in the championship. He seemed to have the bit between his teeth. And then it just falls flat on its face. Now, do you feel as though the weight of expectation was just too much for him during his time at Ferrari?
0: Well, that's, that's a difficult one. I find it hard to say that because if you look back on his time at Red Bull in 2010 and 2012, when the championship was going down to the last race of the season and he delivered, he got the points he needed to, to secure the title, what, what more pressure is there than that last race of the season you've got to deliver? So when it comes to kind of him like in inverted commas, bottling those championships at ferrari well i would put it down more to the fact that i think he's a very emotional driver right and because of that as had touched on it he's like he's quite petulant as well sometimes i think when he gets in the cockpit sometimes the red mist just descends upon him and sometimes he can't really force himself to see the bigger picture and that's where the mistakes start to creep in and i think at ferrari we saw that quite clearly in the spotlight um, when it started to get to the second half of the season, he would make these mistakes or have these run-ins with drivers like Verstappen in 2018, he had a few, um, even Bottas as well. And I guess in Baku with Hamilton, quite clear as day, where, yeah, he his, his emotions would just get the better of him. And I think in those kind of championships where Mercedes and Hamilton were just consistent and always fighting for podiums and victories, those odd, those odd little slip ups from Vettel, he couldn't, he couldn't really recover from them. So uh, that's, that's really what I would put it down
2: to, to be honest. Yep, yep, no, yeah. I suppose there's, yeah, there's a bit of that as well. I mean, to be honest with you, I thought at times he was a bit, a bit petulant as well. But personally, um, if I was to assess his time at Ferrari, I think it was a mixture of poor decision-making from the team, poor decision-making from his, from himself. And I really don't think his co-driver supported him enough. I I really think Raikkonen should have done enough. I think Raikkonen only got one, one victory that I can remember from his time at Ferrari. Yeah. uh, At USA. Yeah. Yeah, It was. Yeah. I mean, he's he's, he's really not doing enough to to help the team. He was on vibes. He was on vibes. He was on vibes. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, this is the Scuderia. This is, you know, F1 heritage, you know, They should be delivering that. And it's fair enough if they don't have the fastest car. Okay. But I remember very clearly in 2018, they had the best package. Like that car was quick. It was quick. And it wasn't even quick in a straight line. It was quick in the corners as well.
3: Check this out. Yeah. Ferrari cheated for Vettel and they still couldn't deliver. And they still couldn't deliver Listen, (laughs) they cheated. They, 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 they had a legal engine. The car was screaming like a banshee, yeah? yeah, and he still couldn't deliver. So this is this is this is what this is what happened, man. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know Ferrari or Ferrari or shit show. I'm not gonna mistake or even try to like make allowances for them for what what's been going on in the last 10, 10 years, fifteen years, even what they did to Alonso. But the, it, at one point, you had the fastest car on the grid, yeah. If you're a four time world champion. I'm not trying to even say that he's better than Lewis or anything like that. But you need to be taking it all the way to the wire. You can't be losing the title challenge due to mental mistakes. Mist- mistakes. This is not something that... It, it, I can understand if it was the team that messed up and stuff like that. Even when I think about 2017 even more, I feel like they the car started to break down towards the end of the season. There was yep. a lot of retirement, Ferrari, yep. stuff
2: like that. There was In, in but, Malaysia, they retired. And in Japan, they retired. Or no, th- that the, also the, they, they had a poor car. Like yeah. the car was breaking on them throughout the race.
3: No, no, because th- this is what's happened. I heard that they had to accelerate all the developments on the car um, because he was he because of the mistakes earlier on the season. So nice. he started to mess up the car. All these additions because Vettel was making these mistakes um, in like Baku and stuff like that. And uh, the earlier races in that season, they had to like fast forward the development of the car and use more tokens to do more in-season developments, and then the car started to break down. So his mental mistakes leads to the car breaking down later on down the line. And and then saying, "Oh, Ferrari's got reliability issues." There wasn't reliability issues at the beginning of the season uh, when you was running races and you and Lewis was going back to back, but then you started to make mental mistakes, and then there, there we have it. So for Vettel. It's going to be funny. Um this um Helmet Marco today said um he should have re- he should have retired or just took a break from F1 instead of going to He the would Aston say that
2: wouldn't he? He would say. Uh,
3: that, uh, Do- Do- Dr Helmet Walker the absolute <laughs> madman. He's a mad he, ta- he reminds me of Dr Robotnik or something. He's a madman. Um <laughs> but he might be right cuz I don't think he's mentally there right now. Yeah, to be driving in the F1 car and he needs to take yeah. a break.
2: So, I suppose just to finish up on this topic, I want to come to you, Kwame. Um, how do you see him doing at Racing Point then? How do you see him doing?
4: It's, a, it's an interesting question because um, Racing Point, uh, so Aston Martin, Aston now as well. Um, yeah, sorry, Aston they've, they've Martin. Had, they've had,
2: yeah, they've had a poor start
4: to the season. They've had a poor start. But, I mean, like you said, it's just a start. So... I don't know how they're gonna win with the car. I think it all depends. I think this season is gonna be a very, a very mid season. I think um, they may get the um, the like eight nine, eight nine spot, you know, uh, in the points. But I think for them, their best bet is um, next year, twenty twenty two, with the uh, regulation changes. Um, you have got um, Papa Show putting a lot of money into the team and trying to build some new headquarters. Well, no, yeah, build new headquarters. Um, they've got all these bonds, all this infrastructure. There's rumours that Toto might go from Zadis to there. We don't know how true it is. So I think that's his best bet. And all depends on the car. It all depends on the team if they try to base around for him or base around for Lance. I don't see him personally in another um, championship, personally. I personally don't see it. I don't see it. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, I think to be honest with could... seasons. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, a, a championship that probably... On the back of his first race seems a stretch right now. Um, Guys, any final thoughts on Vettel's time at Ferrari before we go on to the next segment? Um,
3: I just want to add to Kwame's point, I say Stroll has a better chance of winning the championship than Vettel right now.
2: Yeah. Daddy's boy, yeah. Daddy's boy. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see how he does. They
3: put him in the number one car. You know, he did mind games. Tactics. Tactics. We'll put put Vettel in the second seat. Stroll's number one driver, Aston Martin. It's peak.
2: <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, let's let. I mean, look, look, let, let's see how Vettel does at um, Aston Martin. Stand corrected, Aston Martin. He's wearing. Green. He's wearing. I'm, I'm wearing. Green I'm wearing the the racing green polo right now. So, Aston uh, yeah. I, I apologize for that. I apologize for that. Um, Lawrence Stroll. Anyway, um, so. Sky Sports this week released an image um, in which they looked at some of the previous world champions as well as the most popular podiums. And there was a lot of debate in the group chat. And I suppose, you know, there was some there were some key entries in there. Now, for everyone's awareness, they went through some of the most common podium combinations in history. So with 12 appearances, they had Hamilton Bottas Vettel. Tied with 12 appearances for, for some of the wiser heads out there, there was Schumacher, Hacken, and Coulthard. On 13 appearances, it was Weber, Vettel, Alonso. So that's probably looking at that 2011 to 2013 time. And then you had 14 appearances, Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel. So looking at, you know, before 2016. And then more recently, you have Hamilton, Verstappen, and Bottas. Um, who also have the most appearances at fourteen. So instead of going into each one, I just want to get guys your 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 take on some of the memorable moments from that time. Um, so let's start in chronological order for this one. Um, there was Schumacher, Hacken and Korsgaard that had uh, twelve appearances. Um, Schumacher had an, an amazing Ferrari car during that time, and let's not forget that that silver McLaren. Um, which was uh, truly remarkable. Um, give me your take on that time, Mahad. Um, so Schumacher-Hacken and Coulthard had 12 appearances on the podium.
3: Yeah, it was basically them days. I'm an old head. Them days was Michael Schumacher versus McLaren. Um, and it was tight a lot. Mika Mik- Mik- Hacken, my guy, one of, one of my favourite drivers of all the time, um, took two from him. I know one of them was a leg break from Michael Schumacher. Um but he was already ahead on points before he broke his leg. So uh, I'm just yeah he was, that. he was um, he yeah. was but it was absolute domination just by those those three drivers there in that period of time. Michael Schumacher obviously um winning titles as well. But um it was absolutely like I don't think other people even had a chance those days. It was it was always those guys, even in qualifying as well. Um, from what I remember, um, it was absolute domination, and it was two drivers that were all like, at their peak, going head to head. Coulthard underrated. I'm not gonna lie. Very, very good driver. Yeah, very. very Ob- good obviously, driver. your team, your teammate's McArdle, so he ain't winning no titles, but he 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 was a very very good number two in that time. You know what I mean? So, um, and he he deserved all the podiums that he got. So um, yeah, it was a very very interesting time. Michael Schumacher you know, the GOAT of that period. Um, seven world titles, absolute dominant. Um surprised he didn't appear. Uh I think he, did, he didn't he only appeared once on this these lists, didn't he? Michael yeah, Schumacher. he only
2: appeared once. Yeah, he
3: only yeah. appeared once, yeah. I, I, I think so, that's more because of the number twos and the number threes and weren't really cutting it in the in the mid 2000s <laughs> Definitely, so, yeah.
2: But, yeah. So I think so so I think on that point yeah like you know what Mad, I remember it so well It was 98 99 2000 and I think even a bit of 2001 I mean that just that just reminds me of the late Murray Walker honestly just his commentary on Mika Häkkinen on Michael Schumacher on David Coulthard just has so many flashbacks epic races sunday afternoons sat there in front of the TV just glued to the screen just amazing amazing times um Yeah, and yeah, that was just, that for me was just an incredible racing period. It's really what got me into racing as well. Um, And yeah, that would always hold a special place in my heart. Um, I want to touch on um, what's joint top with 14 appearances, and that is Hamilton, Rosberg and Vettel. Now, this obviously would have been um, in 2016 and before, Um, What do you remember from that period? So just the turn of the turbo hybrid era. So I'm I'm going to come to you on this, Chris. What do you sort of pick out from that moment in time?
1: That it was Mercedes dominance for like, you know, Hamilton was going to be one or two. And then Vettel, when he got to Ferrari in like 2015 and 2016, they really like, you know, picked up from where they were. So Vettel was really driving that those Ferraris really well. They had no chance of the championship. It was just about picking up the other um, race win. So that's what I had to remember. It's like, I remember him just being like the third guy there, just happy to be there, you know? Like, we're not fighting the Mercedes. We're here to be number two, the best number two, and be ready to be number one further down the line. So, yeah, that, that, that's how... Close it was for Bell. Like he, he was like he was there for, for the vibes, you know. He was like the one serious kind of half serious car and team around there.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I and I know we've been doing um some analysis on Vettel, especially in this pod, but it's also worth mentioning that in this podium combinations that that were released, he's he's actually appeared three times. So you gotta put a lot of respect on his name because he has done very well to also get onto the podium. So you got to also give credit where credit is due. Um, Kwame, so looking at this list, you know, you do have Vettel that's represented in, you know, three three times. And I want I want to come to you for uh, his time um, at Red Bull where he was dicing with Weber, Vettel, Well, <laughs> dicing with Weber and Alonso. wasn't dicing with himself, although he has done that at Ferrari a couple of times, dice with himself. <laughs> and it's uh ended up <laughs> and mess sometimes ended up in the gravel trap but when he was dicing with um Webber and Alonso um what would you make of that time so like the early you know uh, sorry the 2011 to to 2013 season
4: i think it just shows how dominant he was in that period and how how everything was kind of connected up for him i think we spoke that earlier how with him he needs every piece of the puzzle in his team to be right so he needs to the card to be right him still reckon he needs to be kind of the main guy in the team. And it just summed up in results because in that season, again, you got 13 wins compared to uh, Weber's zero in 2013, which, like, we get on the bus a lot, but not, I don't think Hamilton's even had the numbers against Bottas. And uh, he had the most wins in the season in that year as well, which is in, in, insane. And then the same thing can happen in 2011 where he had 11-1 to 1 wins. So it just shows how competitive and how dominant that Red Bull car was in them two seasons alone. And even the seasons where, yeah, 2010, 2012, where they should have just won straight away, but they didn't. They still were competitive enough to get into the podium show. So it shows how good that car was. Even it shows how decent Red Bull was as well, because um, in that 2010 season, he was competing for the championship with Alonso up until that final race in Abu Dhabi, where I'm not sure if any people remember, but yeah, Alonso can hold it back and Petrov. off. Yeah, it's uh Robert weight and final Win. So it shows how dominant he was in that period, essentially.
2: Yep, definitely. Um and yeah, as as I said earlier, I I I want to give credit where credit's due to Mattel. And you know, it does take something to get onto the podium and, and and clearly his 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 number of appearances on there speak for themselves. Um so I think we've touched on all of them, um, apart from the current one. So 14 appearances. Uh stands Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen. Now, I'm just looking through the list. There is at least two, yeah, there's two world champions in all of those categories. Now, on the top one, you only have one world champion, and that's Lewis Hamilton. Let me ask you now, Ants, can you ever see Verstappen or Bottas becoming a world champion?
0: Um Bottas, 100% no. No. Nope. The- that's a no then
2: (laughs) I I basically meant to say can you see the the (laughs) yeah I
0: think I think Bottas's time in a in a championship winning car is rapidly coming to an end um as for for Max he's got he's got a long career ahead of him I think he's gonna be a multiple world champion I don't know when um I don't know if it'll be at Red Bull but 100% I think he's got what it takes
2: yeah it seems like he's just got a channel um a bit more racecraft maybe have a bit, you know. I mean, he's he's got the car now. Hopefully, he can kick on and 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 do a bit better this year. Um, get closer to the Mercedes, and then yeah, obviously, it, it remains to be seen whether he wins a title, um, at Red Bull or not. Um, guys, that is all that we have time for today. Please, please, please hit the subscribe and like button. We really, really appreciate the support. Follow us on Twitter at pitstopfracker. And we will be back next week with some more F1 content for you. Peace. Peace.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.